Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello, and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. We're here at the HR Tech 2023 conference, and I'm here with my good friend, Tim Sackett. David, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm tired. I've got a lot of <laughs> coffee in me. I know you're drinking a rock star right now. So this is going to be a very quick episode because we're going to like power through this really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Tim, people know about you. Any update in what, where you are, what you're doing? No, I mean, I think, you know, again, same kind of thing, just doing the blog, doing running the staffing world, doing a lot of analyst advisory work in the startup space. Sure. Um, especially now, it's... It's such a different environment than it was. Like the last few years, like you had a good idea and people were going to throw money at you. Now it's right. like, it's not even, can you actually have product or do you have customers? It's like, are you profitable? Right. Like it, it just changed wow, that's a overnight, right? Oh yeah, I know. Right. It's like, oh wait, you have to run profit? Yeah. Like, come on. Wow. You can't burn well, a giant pile of cash. Like Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's one fun thing that no one knows about Tim? Oh, wow. There's probably a lot. Um... I have a house in St. George, Utah. Everyone, wow. I, I mean, I've been forever in Michigan. So when I tell people like I drove over here to the HR Tech Conference yeah. from Utah, they're like, "Wait a minute, what's going on?" And uh, we're a Jewish family, and we're surrounded by all these Mormons. And I, my, my my wife's in love with like the Mormon culture. And I go, "She's gonna be the first Mormon Jew of all time." Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of similarities in some ways, but not in others. Yeah, so exactly. very distinct. Well. That's interesting news. Didn't know that. <laughs> so let's go and transition to yeah. our topic of the day. Yeah. So what we're going to do is last year, what we did was we said what happened in 2022 and what was new for 2023 and kind of put our pr prognostication on. But what we're going to talk about today is changes in 2023 and then what we might see in 24 and 25. Yeah. And it, it's because it's, it's not hard. We're only a few months away from 24. Yeah. But kind of putting it on a little bit longer term and saying what might happen beyond that. So in the recruiting space, recruiting technology space and the recruiting space, what the heck happened in 2023? It's interesting because I think we had that, we, you know, we talked about the change in the economic climate around yep. technology and really it's not really a change in, in the technology. It was a change in how technology has been funded in the VC world. Mm. And part of that went from, I mean, this is a broader economic issue, right? Where we go from literally money being at, you get, getting money at 0% interest right. and now being at seven, seven and a half, whatever. Right. And so now companies are like, well, wait a minute, we're not going to just going to give you money hoping for a whatever, because I, we can just sit on money exactly. and we're getting at seven and a half, eight percent, whatever. Right. So it's like, it just totally changed. And so you see these like massive kind of layoffs in a certain segment of our economy. Right. And like the media like pulls that like, oh my gosh, the economy must be awful. And then at the right. same time, you're like, well, 
But the unemployment number is not changing. Right. Our the, employment numbers are through the roof. The, so, yeah, the, yeah, the amount of job openings really hasn't changed a whole lot. Why? Like, what's going on? You're like, well, yeah, companies have to be profitable. You you can't have eight thousand employees and be losing a hundred million a year. No right. one's going to fund that anymore, no. right? So, from a recruiting perspective, a lot of this hasn't changed because we still have this weird baby boomer demographic thing where. People keep thinking like the baby boomers are already dead and gone. Right. The reality is, is this year, next year, 25, 26 are the three, four largest cohorts of baby boomers leaving the workforce. That's right. And you're talking three to four million, if not five million people a year in some of right. these years. And you're like, you just don't, we're not replacing that. That's right. And so the number of jobs in the unemployment thing is going to sustain for a long time because we just don't have enough humans. Now- now we have obviously AI coming, so you're like, right. okay, that maybe that automation will help, right? But, but but a lot of those people who are retiring are skilled workers. I mean, there there's a lot of people, and if you look or tried to get your plumbing fixed lately, oh yeah. <laughs> so first of all, the plumbers are old. Oh older, yeah, yeah. And the ability to wait for a plumber has now become a new skill that we have to acquire, because if you can find a good plumber, you have to wait. And so it's to me, it's one of those things. And I'm not just pulling plumbers out because I've had that issue, yeah. but because skilled labor is going through a major change right now. Yeah. I mean, I do think um, on the high school side, we've finally gotten to this. And part of this is this whole skills economy thing that we've sure. been, I don't know, a real big fan of it. But the one positive thing is we no longer, with our high school graduates, we finally saw the tipping point where it's not that you have to go to college anymore. Mm -hmm. Because I think these kids understand now, it might not be what you and I think of skilled trades of what they can make money, sure. but they at least they're thinking, mm -hmm. hey, I don't have to go to college. I can go and get skills right. and actually make really good money, really good living without that. So I'm hoping we'll start to see a little bit of transition, more younger people coming into those. I mean, we desperately need it. Yes. Um, and, and we suck at immigration, so we better do something, you know. Well, we've been complaining about immigration, and at the same time, we've been complaining about not being able to find people to do the jobs that we would have filled in the past yeah. through immigration. I know it's, it's a little, it's weird. I don't, you know, in the broader tech, like recruiting space, like, and we take a look at, you know, why we're here at HR tech, like right. it's weird because I don't know if you've seen this, but to me this year and last year feel very similar and, and people go, wait a minute, what about AI? Well, AI didn't hit until like really January and everyone freaked out and had to change their roadmaps. And right. so you start to see little things popping up that are features, but you don't see massive transformation yet. Not yet. No. And so that's where I'm thinking, like, I'm really excited for next year. I'm really excited for 2025 because we're going to start to see some major transition with how this AI can be used and actually transform how we recruit, you know. But, but even in the terms of things like building AI into our technologies, we're still not trained well enough to know exactly what it can do. Yeah. And one of the funny things, or actually this is probably tragic, not funny, is we're actually building legislation based on hearsay and rumor. Oh yeah. In the federal level, based on just complete conjecture, not not being informed at all. Yeah. And that's gonna hurt us, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you get into some broader conversations around kind of universal basic income. And, right. and I think there's, right. there's, some, there's a lot of politicians I think are looking for job protection, right? And we're like, well, we don't want technology to take this. And you're like, wait a minute, are we back in like, you know, the 1820s, what's going on? Like is you know, the steam engine didn't hurt us, right? Well, and, you know. But in all those transitions, people went from being 
blacksmiths having to create horseshoes yeah to then then they were actually ha- helping create the cars or becoming mechanics to fix the cars yeah. or um and, and in the same case we're going to have ai come in and the people who used to do the work that are getting replaced by ai are going to be have to have to train the ai or yeah. at least manage the ai or we don't even know what jobs are going to be created no, that's no, the scary part not. right we're get, we get scared because you don't know what the future holds but and through every one of these industrial revolution exactly. transitions, exactly. we've actually ended with more jobs than fewer jobs. Because they're Is become it, enablers. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, do jobs get eliminated? Heck, yes, they do. Yeah. But also more jobs get created. Right. And usually at a higher level from a quality of life standpoint, right? So you're like, so that's the, this piece of that you're like going, well... Is this going to happen? Some, some of us, just, we just don't know yet what we don't know. But I think one of the points you made before about profitability and the layoffs that we talked about before, that's always been the excuse that people have been giving for doing these massive layoffs. It's not about the technology. No. It's about profitability or management making dumb investments that then they have to pull back from yeah. because they realize it kind of didn't pan out. And that's what's affecting the employees. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's it's one of those things that we're going to... We're going to see a lot of, I think, over the next few years, especially with the, with the interest rate climate. The way, that's the yes. thing. The broader economic is, climate is what's really driving this. It's not about um, a better candidate experience, employee experience, all these things that we want to talk about and be a part of in the right. technology space. This is really economic driven right now. Right. And, until, and, and, I, and again, I think it's going to go into 2024 from what we see. And then you're going to start to see... You know, more than likely, we'll start to see that kind of even outer transition down, and, and then you know things will open back up again. Sure. Most of the economic you know stuff that we're getting for the job market is just going to be up and down by industry, but overall, I think it's still going to be it's going to be fairly hard to find people. But this is part of business cycles that we've been going yeah, through for decades. For sure, and it's not it's not any different. It's just now there's a different word associated with it. Yeah, no, definitely. AI. So when we think about AI, exactly. we think about recruiting. I like. I'm so excited about potential. Now, I'm also cognizant enough of saying when someone goes, "Well, we don't, we'll no longer need recruiters." I'm like, potentially, there's, there's, I can, I can build you an idea in a stack where you would never need a recruiter, and you could probably get away with it. And you would actually, from a data standpoint, would probably hire better for you because anytime we add a human into a process, mm-hmm. we increase bias. Anytime we add AI into a process, we decrease bias, even though humans do not want to believe that. <laughs> I can prove it <laughs> that we can reduce it because I can measure it. I can control it. I can't do that with Jim, the hiring manager. You know, Clean slate, maybe, but if the AI is trained on the past... Yeah, but they, again, we can, we can audit and measure for that and change, right? And readjust in real time where I can't do that with a human. But the humans are the ones who are doing the audit. The humans are doing the one. And my point is, yeah, yeah. not that you're wrong. I totally no, 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 agree yeah. with you. But we need a diverse slate of developers and engineers to ensure they're not just repeating the same mistakes that have led to the issues we are in right now that have driven pay equity to I, where it is. I think when we take a look at like machine learning, like 1.0, we had the, that, was a, that was a major issue because we saw it happen. As we got more sophisticated around machine learning and the AI, we got better at having third parties come in and audit and really taking a look at this stuff. And really, I mean, the AI themselves is calling out like the issues that crop up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so again, is it perfect? No. But again, I trust the AI more than I trust a human. 
And, and I know I'm 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 a, I'm on an island by myself there with a few other people. <laughs> well, because that's not the popular like opinion. So, but, but like, yours is an educated opinion, though, Tim. So, when people are listening to this, they should know you've been doing this for a really long time. So it's not like me where I'm just saying I think this of the recruiting space. Yeah, and I've been recruited before, and AI has thrown me out and whatnot. You're the one who people turn to to understand this issue. That's the reason why they should be listening to you, though. No, I appreciate that. I do think, that when I think the future of recruitment, and sure. we think, it like, a, let's say it's 2025, where could we be, or where were, where were that top 10% of, like, talent acquisition shops become? Because I think the future of recruiting is allowing and enabling recruiters to have really, to actually go out and find the best talent in the marketplace. Not mm -hmm. say they only hire the best talent, but actually know who are the best talent, and I'm going to build a relationship and have time to build a relationship so that when... Let's say, David, you're the best developer in my marketplace of Detroit, sure. Michigan. I might not have an opening now, but six months later, I'm am. And I've had six months to build this relationship sure. that I can then go to you and say, hey, we're ready for you. And you're like, yeah, I can't wait. I want to come. Right. And I, but I know you're actually good, better talent than what we have. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by salary.com. Now back to the show. And so are you saying that in that case, AI becomes the enabler to enable that recruiter to not only understand that David exists, but to foster the relationship? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And they actually have a real human connection, right? Okay. Like that's, to me, that's, I have to think, we have to think about what, what makes us uniquely human over the AI. I don't want to go, oh my gosh, what's the AI going to take away? What is the AI going to enable me to do because of the unique human traits sure. that I have? Right. So for me, the future of, of recruitment almost goes back into like the 1970s of, hey, you're going to actually build relationships with people and they're going to come to trust you with their career in that. And then and you're going to know right through all of these, you know, ways through technology, through talking with other people that, hey, this person actually is noticeably better talent. And we're, we want to make sure we go after that person because right now we don't. We It's pretty much everybody in the industry still does the same thing. They post a job. Right. People at that time of the job is open will apply. And you hire the best person of those who applied. But how do you know they're the best? But no, but here's it. They're the best of those who applied, which oh, could okay. be the worst in your market, sure. by the way. Yeah. That's the issue, right? Yeah, right. Whereas I think the future of recruitment is, hey, I'm actually going to prove out that this person's actually better, right? Okay. Through assessment, through science, through, right. like, right. you know, connections with people that know like, this person, whatever, like all of that stuff is going to come out. Uh, okay. So that now I'm only building relationships with people that are actually better, not... Well, you're the best of the worst kind of thing, right? Which again, we might, we still hire great people. Right. Because when we have an opening, somebody great actually applies by, by happenstance, right, right? Right, So in that case then, the AI is being more than just the tool that selects the right resume. In that case then, the AI is actually going out, doing the search, using social media, using LinkedIn, using whatever it is to be able to identify the scope of what you're looking for and then potentially reach out to that person, give them an assessment, yeah. keep them warm, put them in a community, maybe make you the community leader yeah. so you can reach out to that person directly and keep them warm, as you say, until that seat becomes available. Yeah. And we, we've talked about that, right? We talked about talent pools and trying yes. to keep people warm and all yes. this stuff for years. And the hard part was yeah. it was so resource intensive. We just never had the time for it. We could never really do it. Right. If you were a great individual recruiter, 
you might have a few people in your back pocket that you've like maintained relationships sure. with and stuff like that. But again, those were like a, a top 1% recruiter that just was great at their job. You could never really go, well, how do I do this with a hundred people, 500 people, a thousand people, right? You just never could. And I think AI is going to give us that ability to actually go out and do that now because that's going to be your sole focus of your job. Right. So here's what I think will happen. And I think by 2025, we'll see real use case of this where all of a sudden our hiring manager has an opening for a job. I need an engineer. The hiring manager will talk to their computer and say, I need an engineer. Computer will talk back to the hiring manager and say, do you want another engineer like the person right. you hired last time? Right. And you like go, yeah, except I need a little of this, more of this, less right. of this, blah, blah, blah. Right. And they'll go through and bam, it will go do it in It'll keep, the, you know, hey, like I've contacted this many people. There's a couple of interviews set up on your schedule in a week, blah, blah, blah. And then at the same time, it will also inform this recruiter to say, hey, there's a, like five or six of these candidates that we've reached out to. We're getting no feedback, right? Because they know it's, it, you know, as much as we can personalize it, they're going to feel that it's that's somewhat of an outreach of a, from a technology. Right. And then maybe even suggest like, hey, here's other ways we can try to contact this person or whatever, right? Here's their home address. Drive by. I don't know. <laughs> you know, who knows, right? Okay. We're not <laughs> suggesting you stalk your recruits. But you're going to like, so there, <laughs> so when we say like any of this, ta if, you, if you think of one tactical parse of recruiting, that should be taken away by AI. It's again, the things that are automatically, you know, that are uniquely human are going to be the things that you can have, which is relationship-based yeah. building right. of, hey, how do we do this? And again, some of that might be this talent advisor concept where you have a hiring manager going, okay, AI got me to where I got three great interviews, but now I just don't know who to pick. Right. Well, let's sit down with our talent advisor and really talk about, well, why? Why are you struggling with this one and this one? Let's, you right. know, you become this coach almost, right? On a hiring coach side. But, but wouldn't you have also some metrics, like, for example, the assessments that were done sure. yeah. that could give you qualitative data that say the answers to the assessment and other things lead me to assume or lead us to predict that this one out of these three might yeah. be the best fit for you. Yeah, you could. And we've also seen uh, those assessments go not just from the job itself, but also from the cultural fit too, right? Yeah. And do the team cultural assessment to say... You know, this one seems like they're the best from the technology knowledge, but these others, these other two have a much better fit from a you, culture. You bring up a great point because right now we do, we do a lot of this one-on-one -on -one transactional hiring where a hiring manager, you know, and we see like, oh, we have team interviews and our people kind of get involved, but then they don't really have a say. Well, what if you did have team hiring? What if you fully had a team? Because you could now because you have this much more capacity and AI is giving right. and delivering and you could actually have real, like, hey, we're all going to be there. We're all going to do our notes. We're all going to say who we want to select. We're not going to do groupthink. And we're going to actually go and hire the best person for the team, right? right? Who knows? That I mean, that, that's the thing. If we can imagine it right now, potentially AI is going to be able to make this happen. Right. Now, there's another concept that's farther out. Let's say it's 2028, 20, 2030, 20, where if we really open our minds about what AI can accomplish, it would know every single job that's open across every employer. Right. It would know, and it would also then know every single candidate and their profile and potentially what their wishes and desires and all this stuff is. And then one-to-one, -one, they could actually just start matching people and say, hey, by the way, you're at this company now, but there's this job over here that you're actually probably more suited for and in a marketplace or a community you want to live in. Right. Add a salary, blah, blah, blah. Like, if we really open our minds, we could disrupt the entire industry and do away with the LinkedIn's and the Indeed's and everything else because right. there's going to be this massive kind of matching going on behind the scenes. You're basically describing a talent marketplace where... Where everybody's in it. 
Right. <laughs> but there's perfect information. Yes. Not just about the roles, not just about the people, but it's also got to be in that case about the pay. Pay, skills, and, all of that. Exactly. Right? And then the matching of the need versus the capabilities that exist on the supply yeah. would then enable, as we've seen in commodity markets, for people to then say, oh, well, I've got tangential skills. I could try and go into that pool as well. And then be able to really push talent around, not just based on, hey, I have a friend named Bob. Bob needs a job. He does this, which is not a talent marketplace. It's really just the kind of the happenstance or, and I know recruiting is not happenstance. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. apologize for recruiters <laughs> profusely. I'm not trying to demean your jobs, but I'm, what I'm saying is where Tim's coming out at this is really where the technology could take us if we op open that data up yeah. for, for the, for the computer to have it. You know, the problem we have with the skills economy right now is a lot of it is self-selected skills or even 360 peer skill review where we're, we're kind of terrible at self-assessment and we're also kind of terrible at peer assessment Sure, because we tend to like not want to hurt someone's feelings or we exactly. tend to not really know. We're like, oh, well, yeah, I rely on that person for this, but do I know, are they uh, on a one to 10? Are they a 10? Or are they a eight? Or are they a five? Like maybe I'm a hard grader, who knows? Right. So, you know, again, with AI, could we get validated skill, right? Where right. it's all of a sudden well, now yeah. someone might have 50 or 75 or 100 different skills that have been validated and now this matching becomes even more robust, right? Like that's right. that another, again, back to the data side of what, where this could be. Again, we're, I mean, it's all kind of panacea and like on the horizon, but, but like the, our minds are open to like, wow, we could really change some stuff. Could, and 2025 could be the time. For some of it, yeah. For some of it. Hey, are you listening to this and thinking to yourself, man, I wish I could talk to David about this. Well, you're in luck. We have a special offer for listeners of the HR Data Labs podcast, a free half hour call with me about any of the topics we cover on the podcast or whatever is on your mind. Go to salary.com forward slash HRDL consulting to schedule your free 30 minute call today. The problem is also then you add in the complications, you add in security and data privacy and California enacting rules that say a person who wants to can get their, their data eliminated or yes. the whole GDPR. Oh, you yeah. Know, don't yeah. forget GDPR. So, you know, there's all of that. And then there's pay transparency, which brings the other side in and the how much is the company paying from a pay range perspective. For sure. Oh, yeah. And having that listed on an opening yep. as well. So there's so much stuff that could push 2025 in this let's call it talent market utopia. Yeah. But there are so many steps to get there. Yeah. Is it 2025 or is that 2030 or beyond? So my analogy is the frog in the boiling pot, right? <laughs> that we're not going to know this is happening to us because yeah. it's going to happen to us right. so slowly right. that we're going to wake up one day and go, wow, our world has changed. And we didn't really realize it was changing because it was changing so slowly, one step at a time. And all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And we, we see this now, like I told you, like I don't, it doesn't feel much different this year than last year because you're just seeing little features. But as these little features start to pile up on each other, big change is happening. Well, think about the frogs um, analogy for a second. The scenario that we've been working on that no one pays attention to is the predictive text on our phones. Yeah. We all text. We've all been typing into, whether it's our computers, our phones, for a long time. And over the last three or four years, the text predictions, except for names, 
they've gotten so much better. Yeah. And they're actually suggesting sentences to us now before we actually start typing them. Yeah, except iOS on. still can't figure out duck in the other one. <laughs> I still, I'm never going to say. No, it's trying to make I'm it I'm so PC. ducky and sick of, yeah. We just keep, they can't figure that PG one out. PG-13, PG-13. I know, I don't know why they can't figure that out. Why are we? Well, know? I think they have figured it out. They just don't want us to be able, and there should be a setting on that. No, seriously. Yeah. There should be on a setting on it that says, yeah. allow for curse words. Yeah. I'm never going to say duck. I know. I know. <laughs> Maybe it's a fact it's trying to tell you something, Tim. I use duck way too often in my text exactly. messages. Exactly. To whom? To the wrong people. <laughs> well, but, but that's, I have that same scenario. Or I'm trying to type someone's name, and it's telling me it's not that name. Yeah. I don't want to type that name. What do you mean? This is the person's name. Well, now, one of the new functions on iOS 17 is it's actually looking at who you're texting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's actually picking that name out. Nice. So that's a little bit. But that's what I mean. The AI has actually, or whether it's Grammarly too, sorry oh, yeah. to give the plug to Grammarly. Yeah. They're, they're building tools that make us better, whether it's we're saying, I speak English good or yeah. I speak English well. Yeah. It's giving us that technology assist yes. that's pushing us in the back. Okay. It still stinks from a, you know, hey Siri, can you do something for me? Sure. But at least it's getting better. To yeah. your point, we're living in it. Totally agree. So we're adopting it. Yeah. We're currently slowly but surely boiling in the pot. We are. We are. And, and you know, a lot of people are very fearful of it. And this is the reason why the AI stuff is getting into the regulatory area. They're worried that all these companies know so much about us. And as you see on a daily basis, you know, there's a new data breach. There was a data breach from 23andMe just recently for, yeah. for us slash Kanaji Jews. Um, and there's so many things that happen in this world where we're just sharing so much that, you know... At some point, we're just going to say, duck it. We're just going <laughs> to give it all out. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. Totally. But, but in other cases, people are like, I don't want that. I want to yeah. be completely off the radar. Yeah. And that's going to be the, the kind of one of the areas that if you can't have perfect information that trains the AI because people won't give their data. Yeah. Then what happens? You know, we have that's it's it's a unique thing because you know we haven't heard a lot about blockchain recently, right? Yeah. And, and really, and part of that is because it's data privacy. If you get fired from a company and that's part of your blockchain quote right. unquote resume, right? You go, well, wait a minute, I don't want that out there. And so I don't want someone complete. to know because it wasn't because right. it wasn't my performance. It was this, my manager was right. a crazy person, whatever. But I think what you'll see is like that either you will be able to, I mean, again, we just know that if somebody wants to kind of eliminate that, they're going to have to have ways to do it yeah. from a data privacy standpoint. It's the one thing that none of us really know. How is this all going to work? And it's like, even with the chat GPT and these large language models like Bard, everything, like, like being trained on all of this content and you see these massive lawsuits coming out, yeah. people saying, hey, I don't want my content in there. I don't want you to train it on that. I mean, it's almost like the cat's out of the bag already. So it's like, okay, yeah. great. Now what but are you going to do? Some of this is really tinfoil hat bullshit, right? Yeah, uh, yeah the government's going to get me because they know. Oh, bullshit. Yeah, government's yeah. not going to come get you. But they exist. And they're real. And there's a lot of people like that right now. Yeah, for sure. Anything else for 2025 that you want to throw out there? No, I think, I mean, I think we've like scared everybody purposely <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, in 2025, we're going to come back to this and see if Tim was accurate or not, or, you know. Well, my robot will be here to answer those questions, but yeah. <laughs> the effigy of Tim will be here at the HR Tech Show. 
Tim, it was always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Yeah. My pleasure. And hopefully we'll see you soon. All right. All right. Take care. Thank you and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.